1: Real Life, Real People, Real Talk on Kingdom Talk. Welcome to Kingdom Talk, where we are sharing real stories from real people who've had real life victories. Join in on the talk with your host, Evangelist Anastasia Hay, every week on Tuesday, as our guests share impactful stories about how they've prevailed and triumphed over life's challenges. Hey, Evangelist Anastasia. Hey, and it is such a pleasure to be here again. I hope you were able to tune in to last week's show. If you did not, it's okay. It's still available on the website. I hope everyone is having a blessed week so far. All right. So, I'm so excited. I have some good news today. I have an interesting guest here with us, Dr. Kalidas Bullock. Uh, he's a retired Ohio school uh, superintendent super and associate professor at the University of West Georgia. He is also the author of numerous articles and educational jur- journals and is co author of two books. Okay. Uh so I would like to introduce Doctor Cletus to our show. It's such a pleasure to have you here today.
0: It's a pleasure to be on your show.
1: All right, awesome. I'm excited I'm excited for for our discussion today. All right, Doctor um Cletus. So um before we, be, before we begin, uh, just tell me a little bit about yourself and um, some of your experiences as being, um, of course, a super assistant <laughs> associate professor at the University of Western Georgia. Oh, I, well, I've spent
0: my life uh, researching leadership and power and, you know, the things that make people successful. Um In 2002, I got the contract to evaluate every school district in the state of West Virginia. That was a life-changing moment. Uh, And interviewing thousands of teachers and students about what they liked about their school and did not like about their school, um, I came up with the idea of I've got to write a book that will create a school where kids want to go to school and where teachers want to teach. Because what I found was, in interviewing all those teachers and students, about 50% of the kids didn't want to go to school. You know, I asked them, why do you go to school? And they said, well, we have to. I said, you don't, you mean you, if you didn't have to go, you wouldn't go? And they said, no, I hate school. I don't like school. And many of the teachers in years three to five uh, quit. And I asked you know, teachers, what do you like about school? And they said, uh, well, the parents. And I said, what well, don't you like about school? And they said, the parents. And the other answer was the administrators, what do you like, and what don't you like, the administrators. And basically they said, well, we've got some of these parents who care about us, and they'll do anything we ask them to do. And now we've got this other set of parents, and they're against us. They're against us. Wow. Wow. Uh all we are is babysitters for their kids, and you 've got these administrators, some of them are really good; they really support us, they care about us, and they will do everything they can to make our job easier and then you 've got these other ones who who just really are self serving all they do is they come in here for two or three years and rule and control us to get the scores up, and then they go off to the next district for their next promotion. They don't care about us at all. And I thought that was pathetic. So I decided that I would write a book on how to create a high-performing school where the school culture and climate was one where teachers and students wanted to be there. And that's that's why I wrote the, the two books that are out there right now, It's my third attempt to uh, create a school, and the the latest two books are short, and they are very informative, and they are a can-do type of thing. They're not a lot of philosophy. It's basically common sense. And out of all of that came that the, the kids' needs and the teachers' needs were not being met. And I went, into, I went onto the web, and I looked up early philosophers on why do people behave the way they do. Mm. And I, I came up with five basic needs. Um, and that's what you want to talk about today, right?
1: Yes. Uh, so today's topic, uh, for those who are listening today, is going to be equipping students for future success in the real world. And uh, Dr. Kuyt, I want to say God bless you. (laughs) God bless you for creating a book like this because the community is needed for the school. It's needed for even parents, you know. Because as sad as it is to say, a lot of students, um, especially when it comes to like high school and middle school, and maybe even elementary, they're not real. Children are not really getting the one-on-one attention that they need from their parents. Now, I'm not going to say it's for all parents. Um, but it is a common thing to hear. So I'm glad you brought some of these things across, and I'm glad you wrote this book. So tell me a little bit about the book, and um, and has have you um, given this book to someone, and they've used them, they've seen a huge improvement in yeah, it, their children or education-wise?
0: It has been used in one district in Indiana. Um, it reduced discipline problems by 75%. Um, One of the principals got their doctorate on it, and uh, so the process works, Uh, but your audience is probably not that interested in schools, Um, and you're a Christian audience, and I believe I wrote and said "I I can explain how people get their five basic needs met through the Bible, through church, and through Jesus Christ. Um, the, is that where you want to go? What do you? How do you want to do this thing?
1: Okay, so we're going to be talking a little bit about equipping students for future success in the real world, Dr. Clay. And your book, it, believe it or not, it can help a lot of people because, based upon what you're telling me, a lot of students. You had some one-on-one talk with students, and in regards to why they don't like school, right? Right. And they explain. And they explain to you that, they, that they, the reason why they don't like to go to school or the reason they do go to school is because they have to. And right. that's something that needs to be changed. And, yes, it is a com- Christian community. But there are Christians out there who have children that they raised up in church, and their children may be backslide. Their children are going through struggles in school. I see where it's very important because it's something uh, that I was speaking with a young lady about this, actually. And she was telling me that she's really passionate when it comes on to children. She's a Christian, but, you know, she's having her struggles here and there. But she said what she hates the most is children being bullied in school, children being mistreated in school, parents Uh. are not giving their children the attention that they need. So this is important. This is why I said God bless you for writing a book like this, because Mm. people need to know how they can communicate with their children, teachers out there
2: are probably listening to this right now. Well, how they, they, should,
0: in- they need to get on my website. I've got uh, about four manuscripts I've written on bullying behavior and how to deal with it. There is also a survey on my website that measures bullying behavior in a school, and any parent can go on there and look at that and go to their principal and say, we need to measure bullying behavior at this school. And the survey is free. They just send me an email, and I will send them the survey to measure what kind of bullying behavior there is at the school, how many kids are being bullied, where does it occur, uh, what do bystanders do, how does it get reported, uh, That's that kind of stuff. So bullying behavior I... is something that I've done a lot of work on. Um, let's Let's go so back to... Okay. Uh, let's go back to why do people behave the way they do? Okay. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of music in the background. Yeah,
2: I'm hearing it too. Give me
0: one second. Uh, uh, should we talk over that? No, we should not continue to
1: talk. Give me one second. Let to see what's happening. Um. Bear with. Bear with
2: Okay. Okay, I do
1: apologize. But, uh, uh, you can continue. Uh, what were you saying? We're going to go ahead
0: and continue the conversation, okay? I'm still here. All right, so let's uh,
1: continue. Uh, you were talking about the key factors to um, relationship. The last thing well, I I the
2: last sentence, the music came out. Yeah,
0: okay, we, eventually- we can't uh, have a conversation with all that music in the background, though. One moment. There we go. Okay.
1: I do do apologize for the inconvenience.
0: Okay. Well, it's good music. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Um, So what happened was when I interviewed all these people, I realized that their needs were not being met. That's why... Uh, test scores are so low in schools across the United States. The kids' needs are not being met. The teachers' needs are not being met. The administrators' needs are not being met. And I, I started looking into philosophers. Uh, I got on the web, and I looked up um, just, just browsing. Uh, why do people behave the way they do? And I ran across Nietzsche. Nietzsche was a late 19th century philosopher. And he said people behave the way they do. And and he summarized what philosophers had written up to uh, the point where he was looking at why do people behave the way they do. Uh, And he he came across people behave the way they do because they want to be alive. They want to live. They want to be free of stress and anxiety and uh, so forth. That was what the earliest philosophers came up with when they explained why people behave. The next one came along and said, well, yeah, that's true, but they also want to be happy. Uh, Life with no happiness is no life. Uh, Granted, you can't be happy all the time, but life with no happiness is no life. You agree with that?
1: Yeah, of course. You
0: know. Okay, so we got the two basic needs, and then Nietzsche comes along and he says, "I agree with that. Uh, people behave the way they do because they want to be alive, free of stress, and free of tension, and they want to be happy. But there's another need that has to be met, and that is power. He says people want power. Well, I equate power with control in my books. Uh, <laughs> Uh with power you get control, right? Yes. There and uh, chapter four in book one describes the nine forms of power. There are nine ways to control people. Five of those nine ways are freeing. They give people control. They give people control, but it they motivate them. Uh information, for example, is power, right? Yes, it's what we're doing right now. People are going to listen to this and they'll say, wow, I never thought about that. I'm going to have to try that. So when they hear information, it informs them. And with that information, they can decide to do or not to do something. Expertise is where you demonstrate how to do something and they see it and they say, oh, I can do that. But again, it's freeing. And personality is a third freeing form of power. Your personality, Anastasia, is probably pretty good. I'm sure people do a lot of things for you because you just ask them, right? Yes. They like you. They are free (laughs) when you ask them.
1: (laughs) I hope at least.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When you ask them, they are free to do it or not to do it. Then you've got. Then you've got another form of power called ego power, and I'm sure you've stroked egos before, have you not?
1: Um. You probably you that to me a little bit more.
0: Uh, well, a, a lot of people um, stroke egos to get people to do something. They'll say, you know, you did such a beautiful job with that last year. How about giving me a hand with it that again this year? Wow.
2: Really? And they say,
0: yeah. They say oh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll be glad to give you a hand. So when you stroke egos, it's a freeing form of power. Uh, but it's a, also a method of control. You use stroke and egos as a way to control people to get them to do what you want them to do. Does that Don't make sense? It.
2: Yeah. Okay. That makes
0: sense. Then you've got moral power. Moral power is the best form of power. Moral power is what is the right thing to do. So all of your listeners out there, you've got families, you've got kids, do your kids know what is the right thing to do? Have you set the rules in your household so that the kids know what is the right thing to do? When to take out the garbage, when to be in after curfew, what to do with the car, what to do with this, what to do with that, and so on. Um, all families have rules, right? Yes. That's,
1: it's supposed. To
0: Sometimes those rules are not written. The kids have to have to learn from hard experience what what the rules are. Uh, it's best to have the rules written. And uh, when I was a teacher in in when I was a teacher in a school, I went to the kids and I said, well, you guys want the rules to be in this classroom?" And they looked at me and they said, "Are you crazy? You want us to tell you what the rules are?" I said, "Yeah, I want I want you to tell me what you think the rules ought to be in this classroom." And I gave every kid in the classroom out of my five classes, 25 kids to 30 in each class, 125 to 150 kids, I had three cards with rules written, and I sorted them into common piles, and I took the ten most common rules and put them up on the board, and those became the rules for our classroom. And if there was a rule that they didn't put in that I wanted, and the one they never put in, was turn your homework in on time. So I always put it in. But when the rules went up, they would look at it, and they would say, oh, I could just hear them buzzing. Oh, I wrote that rule. I wrote that rule. That's my rule. That's my rule. There's my rule. And guess what? I'm the teacher. Whose rules am I enforcing? Theirs. <laughs> their rules. Yeah. So I'm working for them. I'm working for them. So the relationship begins. I'm the teacher. I'm there to serve. The, the secret to being a leader is how do you give control to people without giving it up? If you're a leader, you cannot give up control. Once you give up control, you've lost, you've lost it. That's true. How do you give control to people without giving it up? Now, we talked about the five basic needs. Control is the third basic need. All people have some need to control what happens to their life. Now, control needs vary tremendously between people. The bully has a high need to control. The victim is controlled. But the victim also has a need to control. So how do you get control when you don't have it? If you're a victim, how do you get control? So there are various ways that people get control. Alcohol is one. It's temporary. Drugs is another. Temporary. Join a gang. They like you. They give you control. They will help you. And, of course, we all know about the shooters, right, They get a gun. When you have a gun in your hand and your finger's on that trigger, you have control. And that's what happens with many victims of bullies. They go back and get a gun and come back to school and shoot. Um, It's unfortunate, but that has happened too many times. And many school districts do not assess bullying behavior at their school. They have no clue how bad it is. But in, in... Hundreds of schools where I have studied bullying behavior, the average is five to ten percent of the kids are being bullied. so if you talk about a school with a thousand kids that 's fifty two hundred kids are being bullied that 's a toxic environment. The administrators and oh. teachers don 't know when somebody 's going to erupt because the the victims have to get control back. <clears throat> life yeah. with no life with no control is is no good um i don't know what your thoughts are on that or, or how much time you want to spend on this
2: you
1: know uh, honestly, um, honestly um i totally agree with you and you know a, a quick question i want to ask you because you know you mentioned that uh, you know teachers don't really know how much you know there's a lot of bullying going on in school. They don't know how much of it is really taking place. Um, no, they don't. So, like, what is it, do you think, that teachers can do to to be more involved or to know what's really going on in their school environment? Uh,
0: well, that's Chapter 6 in Book 2. Uh, it's called a sociogram. It was used way back years ago, and it's still a very effective tool. And uh, Here's a simplified way to find out what's going on in your classroom, in your school, okay? Okay. Um, I give three-by-five cards is one of my favorite ways to get information from kids, from teachers, from people. Uh, I give the kids three-by-five cards, and I say, if you had a birthday party, who would you invite? And I collect the cards. And I find out that there's two kids in my classroom who aren't invited to any of the birthday parties. Those are my my victims. Those are the kids the bully is going to pick on. People who have no friends are the victims. Once you identify the victims in your school, you go to the counselor and you set up a program to give these kids some help. I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Um, oh, this was maybe last year. We had a new family move into our, our neighborhood, which is a gated community. And I play golf with, with uh, people twice a week. And this one guy says, you know, my kid, my kid's being bullied at school. Mm-hmm. I said, well, wh- what's going on? He says, well, we're new in the neighborhood and she has no friends. So she's being picked on. And I don't know what to do. I said, wow. I'll tell you what. <clears throat> I said, have a um, a sleepover. And have your daughter invite three or four kids over to sleep over, and she'll have friends and once she has friends, the bully will leave her alone and it works really two weeks later, wow. he comes back and he says, "My God, be lucky. he says, "I cannot believe
1: <clears throat> wow
2: that's,
0: that's, that's, that's okay. um, um see that's that so once you identify the victims, now identifying the bully is a little harder. Uh, because the bully always works when the teachers aren't looking. It's in the bathroom. It's out on the playground. It's in the hallway. It's never when someone is watching. But the bully has a high need to control, and they use bullying as a way to control. But once you identify the victim, um, when I was a uh, principal, And I used this technique, and I identified the victims in my school. I would go to my leadership team, and I'd say, which one of you guys, or you girls, is willing to step to the plate and help me out with? I've got this kid who has no friends. And I would assign them uh, a friend. And that's how I dealt with that. Um, You can stop bullying uh most schools teachers do not believe bullying is a big problem in their school but it is, it is. in every in every school it's a problem they just it don't is. see it um there is a uh a bully free program dr alan bean b e a n e he's a national and international uh, scholar dealing with bullying behavior um i have created the survey to evaluate his program, and he does a great job. He is fantastic. You know,
1: that's really good. That's really, really good, Dr. Clee, because, you know, as you said before, uh, some teachers don't see the importance of it, but, you know, believe it or not, students um, or the victims who are being bullied are even committing suicide because of it. You know, that's Yeah, kind of
0: absolutely. Well, that's the other, that was one of the other uh, solutions for uh, when you have no control. Suicide is one of the options.
1: Yes. Yeah yeah yeah
0: and it's, it's a way to take control of your life exactly yeah and, uh, and
1: that's what I want to ask you real quick um because you know I the the bully has control, you know he, he you yeah. you know you mentioned that you know you know have um you were telling me the story have the little girl bring over some friends and have a sleepover and so forth, and the bully stop bothering them, but for cases um where they don't know that. Um, how can these victims, you know, stand up for themselves? Like, why do you think why they why are they where they are? Why can't they stand up and say, "Bully, stop bullying me"? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why are they where they are? Why would why are they allowing the bully to keep bullying them? What do you
0: think the reason for that is? <laughs> well, you know, when I graduated from high school, I was five four and I weighed 125 pounds. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm the littlest kid in the entire school almost so people mm-hmm. tried to bully me all the time and oh um he, i never let the bully control me now so I- when you do not let them control you they will stop bullying you because that's where they get their kicks controlling you uh well how do you not let them control you um i did it verbally um uh, you know, when they would come on to me, I'd say, What's the matter, big guy? Can't you find anybody littler to pick on? You're a wuss. You know what? You're a wuss. Get out of here. <laughs> and I would just take them on verbally. And if they didn't get out of my face, I would say, Okay, wuss. Come on, hit me. Hit me. Go on. Take a swing at me and hit me. And I'm going to get you sent to the principal and I'm going to get you kicked out of school. I'll get you Very good. expelled. And they would stand there with just anger, just anger all over them at this little torp standing in front of them, asking them to hit him. You know, when you don't give control to a bully, they will stop bullying you. How you do that? Um, One time in my senior year, this guy got so mad at me that he took a swing at me. I dropped to the floor. I curled up in a ball, and mm. I did not fight back. And he stood oh there. God. He stood there, and he couldn't do anything because I wasn't fighting back. And wow. I got him. Ex- I got him expelled. Uh, if I had fought him, I would have been expelled too.
1: You would have That's been That's
0: what, in what happens. You know, when I was a principal. And fights occurred all the time in our school. I was an inner city school in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, fights occurred every day. And the, the attacker and the attackee, I tried to determine who the attacker was and who the attackee was. The attacker got three times the punishment of the attackee. But if the attackee fought back, they got it too. And that's just, okay. the, way school, that's just the way schools are. So, you know, if you're a victim of bullying, you cannot let the bully control you. You just cannot do it. And my my method of doing it was verbally. I would attack them verbally. And, of course, I was much more intelligent than them. And whatever they came up with, I could verbally banter back something that would star me them. And I got away with it pretty good. I don't know whether that makes any sense to you or not. No, I yeah, think those sense. are the, we we're talking about the five basic needs of all humans: happiness, having some control of life, and not being free of stress and anxiety, and being alive are three needs. Here's the fourth one: caring, caring behavior. How many kids go to school believing the teachers don't care? When I interviewed. A lot. When I interviewed those kids and I said, what do you like about school? And they said, the teachers. I said, "What don't you like about school? And they said, the teachers. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Tell me about that. And they said, well, some of these teachers really care about us. Uh, They'll talk to us. They want to help us learn. They'll listen to us. And then you've got these other ones. They don't care about us at all. All they care about is their paycheck and when they're going to retire. They come into our classroom, pop their feet up on their chair with their cup of coffee, and they look at us and they say, All right, guys, I'm your teacher. I'm here to teach. If you're here to learn, we're going to get along just fine. If you don't want to learn, that's your problem. Wow. Uh, that's what I got from thousands and thousands of kids. I interviewed every school district in the state of West Virginia. We're talking. Forty-five school districts across the state, 5,000 miles, five months of interviewing kids and students. And when I got finished, I said, God, I've got to write a book.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine. How many- so that's, mm-hmm. what I, that's what I
0: did. So caring is the fourth basic need. And then you come to the fifth one. And as I asked the kids, why do you go to school? And I said, we have to. And I said, you don't have any reason for going? No, I don't. No. And I wouldn't go. So purpose is the fifth basic reason for why do people behave the way they do. That's you, that's me, that's even um, mentally deficient people. Those five basic needs are there. Life with no purpose is no life. Life with nobody caring about you is awful. Life with no control is awful. Life with no happiness is awful. And fear for your life is is the last one. So when those five needs are not there, uh, people are going to die. And, you know, I visit um, a rehabilitation center every Sunday morning after church where some of my friends are dying. They're they no dying. Longer, they no longer have a purpose
1: uh, Why is that?
0: They're dying. They're going to there to die. They believe that nobody cares about them. Nobody's visiting them but me and a couple of others. They have no control. They fall down. Uh, uh, they're not happy. Oh my and gosh. they're scared. To, they're scared to death. So. They go to this center, this nursing home, or whatever you want to call it rehabilitation center, and they are going to die. Mm. It's awful mm. oh my uh, gosh,
1: yeah, I'm so sorry uh, to hear that or, uh, wow well, you know how are you handling this uh Quay? are you, are huh? you are you I said how are you handling this? Are you able to give them some form of hope uh, through some of the things that you've learned through your life? Experience
0: Oh, yeah, you know, every time I go there i I give them something, I touch them, hug them uh, uh show them that, that I care yeah ask, ask them what I can do, stuff like that, you know, <clears throat> so, try to give them some hope, but uh it's just it's just a tragedy, you know, I'm eighty years old. Uh, and I'm in perfect health, uh, nothing wrong. Uh, that's a- I had a hip replaced, but you know, I was playing, I was bowling three weeks after, and playing golf five weeks later. So you know, the hip replacement mm-hmm. was not a problem. And, as a matter of fact, I've got bowling tonight, my last week, last week of bowling with my son. So, um, <clears throat> uh, so those, you know, why do people behave the way they do? It's purpose. What's your purpose in life? And for most of these people in nursing homes, they no longer have a purpose. They believe nobody cares. They have no control. They're not happy. And they're just waiting to die. And it's awful to go into these places and realize that you're friends. You know, um,
1: in these times, you know,
0: But you know, we talked about you've got uh, this is a um, you talked about religion. Many people get these five basic needs met through religion. The people at the church. Exactly.
1: I was going to mention that. Yes, go ahead.
0: (laughs) The people at the church care about them. Their purpose is following the the Bible, what the Bible says, so they have a purpose in life. They are in control. As long as they do what the Bible says, they have control, and there are happiness in church um and they're not afraid of the future so
1: exactly
0: uh, religion religion and religion, the Bible, and church those five basic needs are often met through the church uh that's that. That's my
1: observation. A lot of people who experience like depression or loneliness or um, feeling that lack of motivation to continue to live. Um, a lot of them testify that you know going to church and giving their life to the Lord and reading the Word of God has empowered them and strengthened yes. them and given them yes. new hope and new uh, mm-hmm. a new perspective on life. And so. Yes. Um, you know, uh, To those that are listening right now, if you, you feel hopeless or you feel like you're lacking motivation, the Word of God is empowering. The Word of God is your tool to use um, because there are a lot of scriptures that you can read that can uplift your spirit. I mean, the Word of God, you can uh, use it towards business. You can use it towards relationships. You can use it towards how you raise up your children. I mean, it, it's a vital um, tool that we need in life. It
0: it, it absolutely does meet life's five basic needs. The Bible itself does that. But the church also does it. The people who go there, you know, they greet you every Sunday. They greet you uh, other times when you go there. They care about you. Um, And, you know, they make you feel happy. So. You know, it's, it's it's the Bible is one, one tool. Uh, if it's not the only tool, it is the church itself, the environment of the church um, that helps you meet those five basic needs. Now, until we create a school where these five basic needs are met for the kids, and that's what my two books are all about, the first book – tells people how to create that school where these five needs are met. Now, when I go to the kids and I say, what do you think the rules ought to be in this classroom? I'm giving them control, but I didn't give it up. I also go to the kids uh, sometime during the first week when I was a teacher. I said, what do you guys expect of me as your teacher? They said, Mm -hmm. what? You want us to tell you what we expect? I said, yeah, I want to know. And they would get my three-by-five cards, and they would write what they expect me to do. And when I look out at that classroom, you know, I've got 25 to 30 kids in every classroom, and they're white, they're black, they're Latino, they're Oriental, they're rich, they're poor. They all come from different backgrounds. Well, what do yeah. they expect? You know, how do I know? But when I ask them, I find out what they expect. And I post the expectations up on the board, and I say, hey, guys, this is what you said you expected of me. I'm going to try to meet these expectations. Uh, here's one I don't think I can meet if there is one, and usually there is one or two. But anyway, I, I I I create a relationship with the students. And parents, you can do the same things with your kids. You can give your kids three by five cards. Say, what do you guys expect of me as your father? What do you guys expect of me as your mother? Find out what they expect and then post them somewhere. Now you've got moral power in place. The expectations are written somewhere and you know what they are. What is the right thing to do in this house, in this family? Moral power is. The greatest form of power, the greatest way to control what happens in a family, in a church, in a school. You know, when people know what's expected and they don't do what's expected, you say, hey, guys, see this? You did. This is what's expected, and you're not doing it. Oh, yeah, you're right. And they change behavior right away. It's the right thing to do. Now. It is. The, The crazy thing is those are the five freeing forms of power, information, expertise, personality, ego, and moral power. The four controlling forms of power are position, reward, and coercion. If you're the leader, you have position power. With position power, you get the ability to give rewards and punish, right? Okay. There's a fourth controlling form of power that most people overlook. It's called connection power. And I'll, I'll just run this one by you real quick. Uh, connection powerless. Are you married, Anastasia? No,
1: I'm
0: not. No. Okay. Well, let's say there's a husband and wife. Okay. The wife sees their kid do something that they shouldn't have done, and the wife says to the kid, "You just wait till your dad comes home. I'm going to tell him what you did." So okay. the wife has position <laughs> I've power, heard right? Like
2: that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So dad comes home, and the wife goes to dad and says, you know what so-and-so did today? And she explains, and dad says, whoa, I did that when I was a kid. I don't think that's so bad. You sure we want to do something with this? I think we just ought to drop this one. What happens to the wife's position power when dad doesn't support her? She loses that control. She
1: loses that control, yeah.
0: Yes, she loses it. Now, that happens – Day in and day out with teacher after teacher through schools across the United States, when they send kids to the office for discipline and the principal does or disciplinary doesn't do anything, the principal, the teacher's position power is eroded. That's why so many teachers in years three to five quit because they've lost their position power. And their needs, their need to control is not being met. And when that need is not being met, they quit. So where do you want to go with this now?
1: So let me ask you a quick question. There, there are two questions I wanted to ask you um, earlier. Um, you told me, firstly, and then I'm going to ask you a question in regards to what you're talking about uh, right now. But you told me that you would prepare cards, and you would ask the students what do they expect from you as a yeah. teacher. And you said, I heard you mention there were just some things that you know you wouldn't be able to um, be able to, um, you know, accomplish or um, meet up to. You won't be able to meet up to those standards. Like, what are some what, of the things that students will write down that you knew for a fact you can meet up to it?
0: Well, you know, all school districts have a uh, a list of regulations that the board expects each administrator to do, and right oh. now i can't um, I can't really come up with uh usually it would be insubordination. They would expect oh. me to stand up for them when I knew by the board rules and regulations that i I could not do that you know if if the kid did something wrong, I could not um, uh, go to bat for them so that was usually they wanted me to befriend them even when they were wrong and I couldn't do it okay
1: that makes sense that makes sense.
0: that that was and. the most that was the most frequent one be my friend even when I'm wrong that was an expectation <laughs> that some of the kids had from me uh and I, and I just couldn't do it I just I you know I would say to them hey guys if you're wrong you're wrong I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I cannot uh, stand behind a student who does something wrong. I can't do it.
1: They want you to take up for them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Even when they're wrong. Yeah. Um, that's, that's so funny. But, you know, honestly, they can't be mad at you. You know, they, if they're not doing the right thing uh, as a teacher, you know, even though you want to be a good teacher, you still have to do what is right. Um, yeah. And another quick quest- question I want to ask you, Dr. Clay, because um, as you mentioned, you know, about, as you mentioned about um, parents, like sometimes when, um, a ch- like maybe the mom is home and the dad is not home and the child did something wrong and she's like, okay, I'm going to tell your father this as soon as he comes home. And then the father comes home and says the opposite. Um, the mother loses some form of control when the father is not agreeing to the punishment or agreeing to the situation she's explaining to him. And yeah. I I know that's a common thing that happens in homes where the children favors the the other parent over the other parent because the other parent doesn't you know is always uh, getting mad at them or saying they did something wrong. And the other parent's like cool. They call him the cool parent. Oh, she's a cool parent, or he's he's the cool parent. He he always got my back. Like, how? Yeah. what would you say would be a way to put an end to that in the homes where children are not favoring their dad more than mom or favoring mom more than dad? Like, how would you say to put an end to that?
0: Well, here's the, uh, the thing I've always told my students uh, in leadership training. I say, remember, the secret to being a good parent is to being a good leader, is to give control without giving it up. You cannot give up control. When you walk into Walmart and you see the parents who've lost control of their kids, and it's sickening to see these kids boss their parents around. So, you know, in every marriage, uh, in every relationship, one person has more control than the other. And it could be the man, it could be the woman. But there's never, it's never a 50-50 relationship. It may be 51-49, but one person in a relationship has more control than the other. So you give control to the other person to give them what they want. And when you do that, who's in control? <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, if if in a successful marriage you say I'm the boss and she gets what she wants, or I'm the boss and he gets what he wants, who's really in control? Who's really in control?
1: That's a good question. Yeah, and there needs to be some form of balance. There needs to be yeah. some form of balance.
0: Well, that's the that's the successful relationship that needs to occur between. Most leaders and the people, they're over. You need to give them what they want as often as you can, but you cannot give up control. You just can't do it. Okay.
1: I agree. I agree, Dr. Quay. Um Dr. Clee, you've made some really, really good points um, in regards to this, and um, to those who are listening, definitely um, keep some of these points into consideration. Uh, Dr. Clee's book, you can find that, um on his website www.westga.edu, god that's w e a c h okay so you can find that on his website if you want to gain a little bit more insight on his yeah
0: everything website. on my everything on my website is free uh and after that uh, forward slash that little squiggly thing is called a tilde before C Buwo. Um, and if you just if you don't remember all of that, you can just get on the web and put in my name, Cletus Bulock. and you'll find me all over the web and you may find my website on there somewhere. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on the web that I have done, manuscripts I've written, research I've done. and uh, there's oh, I've got a lot of YouTube videos. You can go oh, to you
2: YouTube,
0: YouTube YouTube.com and put in Clete Bulock or Cletus Bulock. There's probably 10 or 15 YouTube videos on there, you know, where I talk about human relations and stuff like we've talked about.
1: Okay, okay. That's really good. I didn't know you have a YouTube. Uh, so they can also uh, find you find you on YouTube and gain some more information yeah. as well. Yes, yes. Oh, okay, that's great. Okay, guys, you heard that. So chat uh, – YouTube, um, and what, what's your channel?
0: Uh, just to YouTube.com and put in my name, Cletus Bulock.
2: Okay. All right. All right. So I've that. got a number of
0: YouTubes on Cletus Bulock, and I've got a number of other ones on Cleet Bulock, C-L-E-T-E. Okay.
1: Okay. So, all right. So Cleet, so either Cleet or Cletus Bulock. You can find him on YouTube if you want to gain some more information. Um, this is some really good things um, that you were talking about, Cleet. People can apply this to not just school, but to their relationship, to their marriage, because there's no need for anyone to walk around feeling like there's no purpose. And once again, guys, I want to remind you of Philippians uh, 4, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Uh, Keep these words in your heart whenever you're going through difficult times in your life. I can do all things through crisis strengthens me so we're going to be closing out um dr Clay. it was a pleasure having you on today's show it's been an awesome conversation with you um and i want everyone to stay tuned to our live shows every tuesday and also follow us at kism underscore radio on facebook and also twitter all right uh Klee, do you have final words for us uh,
2: oh for no you were a good podcast? host, Anastasia.
0: Um.
2: Thank you Just somewhere. remember
0: that all of you out there listening are leaders in one way or another. The secret to leadership is to give control to other people without giving it up. Now, that's the secret to being a all good right. leader. that's some
1: awesome words. All right, guys. So everyone has the leadership capability, okay? But it's all about being a servant, as Cleet mentioned earlier on in the show. All right. Yeah, so we, we, are, we are here
0: to serve. And in our book, I mention Jesus Christ as the greatest model, role model for servant leadership.
1: Perfect role model. Perfect. He demonstrates that very well um, of how we should serve, and that's what's going to make us even more powerful as leaders. All right, Dr. Clee, it was such a pleasure again. God bless. God bless. And uh, thank you, um, everyone, for tuning in to Kingdom Talk. Uh, you will be seeing, um, hearing from us live on Tuesday at 2 p.m. God bless. Real Life, Real People, Real Talk on Kingdom Talk. Welcome to Kingdom Talk, where we are sharing real stories from real people who've had real life victories. Join in on the talk with your host, Evangelist Anastasia Hay, every week on Tuesday. As our guests share impactful stories about how they prevailed and triumphed over life's challenges. Real life, real people, real talk on Kingdom Talk. Welcome to Kingdom Talk, where we are sharing real stories from real people who've had real life victories. Join in on the talk with your host, Evangelist Anastasia Hay, every week on Tuesday, as our guests share impactful stories about how they've prevailed and triumphed over life's challenges. Um your host Anastasia Hay is here again. Woohoo, yay. <laughs> All right. Um so um we have an amazing topic to discuss today and I'm really looking forward to it. And we also have our special guest um with us today. Um we're and we're gonna be talking about some really, really important stuff that um parents need to know about and also families and you know, teachers, you know. This is something that we need to know when it comes on to our children, uh, what type of environment we're setting for them, whether it's at home or what type of environment are we sending to in regards to school. All right, so um, I have with me my amazing guest, and her name is Marie Zatuma. I hope I'm saying it correctly. <laughs> Zatuma Quintanilla, very, very unique last name. All right, Marie? All right, well, uh, bear, with us, bear with us for a little while um, until our guest comes on to the show. All right, well, I hope everyone's having a blessed week so far. In the meantime, uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit. Uh, so welcome again to Kingdom Talk, uh, where we share real-life stories and we share real-life people, real-life stories from real-life people who've had real-life real life victories, okay? This is what the show is all about. All right, um, so I'm going to be introducing to you um, our wonderful guest, Marie C. Zutuma-Quintilla on the yes. Kingdoms Talk. Hi, right, how are have, you? Hey, Marie. We have Marie with us, guys. woo Yay! yay. Uh, welcome <laughs> to Kingdoms Talk, Marie. We're, um, I'm so excited to have you. I'm so excited to have this amazing conversation. I mean, I was actually looking at some of the books that you wrote, and um, I'm really, really interested in learning more about your book and what motivated you to write this book, or both books, and dive into our discussion, which is going to be building up confidence in your children. All right, so, uh, Marie, uh, before we... um, discuss or have our discussion, let's go ahead and uh, learn a little bit more about who you are. I see that you have 10 years of experience in the property management business in Los Angeles. Uh, I like L.A. I I would love to travel there someday. Um, And you also participate in programs to reach recovery. Um, Also, you are active with making strides against breast cancer, which is really, really amazing. Um, And you're also an author and a motivational speaker. So you created a motivational book called You Are Being Tested, Do Not Worry. That book sounds very inspiring, Um, and and I think it's something worth reading, right? Wouldn't you agree?
3: Yes. Praise God. God is good. Praise God. God is good. So (laughs) tell us
1: a little bit about your story, Marie. Who are you? What brings you to Kingdom Talk? Let's talk. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yes. Um, well, my name is Marisa Silzitomu-Quintania. I was born in West Africa, Guinea, and raised nice. in Africa. coast. And um, I always dreamed of coming to the United States and pursuing my education. And I had the opportunity to do that when I was uh, in my 20s. And uh, I came out here, I was working full-time, going to school. At 29 years old, I felt a lump in my left side of my breast. And um, yeah. unfortunately I went to two different doctors I was told it's not cancer, you're too young I waited a year later And uh, I, w- I went into stage 3 breast cancer And it was in my lymph nodes And uh, i always been a believer I've always been close to God I felt like um, But I, the moment I found out I was stage 3 breast cancer I felt like God has betrayed me because I even, I remember the day, getting on my knees and asking God, why? What have I done to deserve it? And have I treated someone wrong? Am I being punished for something? But uh, now that I look back at being a survivor for seven years, <laughs> wow. I think God Congratulations. every day. A yes, yes. God is good. Um, I thank God every day. And now I think back when people say, why me? I just think to myself, why not me? And I think that uh, my experience, I would call it my testing time in my life, um, wow. I found myself. I found to be more compassionate, more loving, more caring. Uh, I definitely felt like sometimes what does, doesn't does kill us does make us stronger. Uh, it does. It have, yes. It has really motivated me to want to somehow make a difference in this world so i published a book my first book two years ago was called you're being tested do not worry in the book basically i talk i talk about having faith in god having a positive attitude no matter what you're going through love others even if you're going through pain and visualizing a better future for yourself even if you're struggling and those four things i did it when i was going through cancer and I feel like it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't. We all have different tests that we go through. It could be a divorce. It could be a loss of a job. Mine just happened to be cancer. And in the book, I just give people hope and tell them to trust God and get closer to God. Um, and I feel that after publishing that book, I, I just felt like I had more to give. Um, so I went ahead and started. God has blessed me with a little girl who's 23 months. And so I I wanted to really somehow help kids because I I never thought I would have a kid. After going through a heart failure doing my treatment, I was told I may not Mm. have kids. And Mm. I remember writing a letter to God and saying, Lord, you have saved me through cancer. Please bless me with a child. I don't care what the doctors are telling me, but I know you're capable. And mm, I, 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 amen. I can. I'm getting the boost bump as I talk about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and um, God is so good. And the Bible talks about if you knock, the door will be open. If you ask, you should be given. But the key is believing, because I really did believe that He was going to give me a child, even though the doctors told me I may not have a child. Um, and not only that, He blessed me with a daughter, but. He sent me the guy that I described in my letter, (laughs) my husband. So I just wanted – I was really excited to talk to you, by the way, because I always told myself that after I overcome all these challenges that I really wanted to do interviews with radio station churches and really share my story because I truly believe that um, who I am today because of God, and Mm. um, he has really – I, I just, I feel like he has more to use me, like he's using me and I know he's going to use me for more, so, and I want to give you a chance to say something because I get really into this and I just keep talking and talking and talking.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: oh my gosh, it, you know, honestly, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show, um, Marie, honestly, like you just sharing your story alone, because right now I can, I can just feel my heart beating for you, like. It's just, it's just really impactful, and and I give God thanks for your life. I give God Amen. thanks that He saved you. The end. You know what I mean, because for some people, it is the end. When they hear that, it's like, oh my gosh, it's the end for me. And really, of a fact, it is, literally. Um, but God saved your life, and and He saved you for a purpose and for a reason um, at this time. And and I'm I'm so happy to have you on the show. And um, thank you. Thank you. It really is a pleasure. Praise God. And uh, honestly, I, I really do believe a lot of people who hear your story are going to be inspired because it's not something common. It's like Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. It's not common for someone uh, to survive cancer. You know, Especially, yeah. you say you were in the third stage of cancer, breast yes. cancer? Yes, yes. Okay. And it it's was not in common. It's not a common thing heard. So you yeah. had a divine miracle. Praise God. You received a divine yeah. miracle. And now you have a
3: child. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Months.
1: Congratulations. Yes. Oh
3: my yes. gosh, you must be the cutest thing. Oh Lord, praise God. Every day I get up and I'm there's so much gratitude, um, so much uh, Lord. How can I be a blessing today? How can He use me today? And I truly feel that if I didn't go through what I went through, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have so much gratitude in my spirit, and I wouldn't be so thankful for everything that I have, and I, I really believe that uh, sometimes some of our testing times or reigning times or struggles, it, it just makes us better. It just makes us stronger and better.
1: It makes us better. And, you know, um, nowadays, they, sometimes when people see you, you're struggling or see that you're not uh, prosperous or see that you're not where they, would, they imagine in their head of what a Christian should look like or how a Christian should be or how a Christian should be living life, you're looked down upon, and we, we see that clearly in, in Job, um, how he was looked down upon, you know what I mean? But you know, nevertheless, sometimes you never know what God is doing, and, and people have to realize, um, you know, no matter if you're a Christian, you know, there will be testing, God will test Amen. you, God will put you through testing, and it's not to, to, um, you know, put your life to an end or make you miserable, but he really wants to mold your character because it, it's a, there's a greater purpose. Joseph, we use Joseph as a prime example. He was a slavery. He had to go through a time of slavery before he was brought to the top. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen, and, and amen. And recognized as who we know of him being today. You know, so we all have to go through a low place in our life before God elevates us. And I have so, a story for you.
3: I have God Go Go. just put it in my spirit to share this. Go ahead, uh, Go <laughs> it's, it's uh, When I first moved here from Africa, I got involved with Relay for Life, and I remember meeting a lady at the Relay uh, where they raised uh, raise money for cancer. And I was raising <laughs> money, and she, told, she asked me, why are you involved with American Cancer Society? And I said, well, it seems like a really good cause. This is before even I had cancer, and she was fighting okay. cancer. And she said, wow, that's amazing that you're here and you don't you don't know anybody who has cancer. I said, well, I said, I'm just here to help. And I said, I wish I knew how it's, you know, what you're going through, but I can't tell you that I do. And then I walked away from her, and two years mm-hmm. later I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh,
2: my and,
3: gosh. Yeah, and I... I thought of myself now compared to when I first met her and then me getting cancer two years later and then me being where I am today and doing reach to recovery with American Cancer Society for the last seven years and doing commercials for American uh, Cancer Society and reaching out to women that are bothering cancer, talking to women, 10 women a week about sharing my story with them and listening to them. I wouldn't be able to do all these things if I didn't go through what I went through. How can I tell you, you'll be okay when you lose your hair, when you lose your boobs as a woman, if I don't really know how it feels like. How can Mm. I really? That's exactly Mm. what I was telling the lady when I first met her. I said, Mm. I don't know really what you're going through. And now I know because I went through Mm. it. I lost my hair. I lost my boob, I lost my eyebrows, my lashes. So I know how Mm. it's like to go through Mm. all those as a woman, where you take pride in our boobs and our hair and all these things. But you know Mm. what? I learned to love myself even more without my hair, without my boobs, and now
1: Amen.
3: I is just it's it's amazing. Sometimes when we're going through these things, we don't see the glory of God and the thankfulness, but afterwards we see everything and everything, oh and God. it's even more beautiful.
1: It's so true. Uh, I feel like you know, and you know what you're saying makes so much sense. You know, you come to a place in your life, you know, because. Um, even even just like um, watching the news or just watching different things and seeing different videos of people um, who are experiencing physical um, physical um, tragedies with their bodies, whether they lost their limbs or they can't walk. You know, oftentimes we as human beings, you know, we sometimes take for granted some of these little, little things that we have, like our hands. We're able to use our hands and move our hands. We can walk. Uh, we can take a fresh air outside. We can drive a car. Because, you know, um, people are, are going through worse. Some people don't have the car. Some people, they don't have clean water to drink, you know. So these little things to us, we you know, it's like an everyday thing for us. So we're so used to it. And then people in other parts of the world are saying, oh, my gosh, this is luxury. I would love to have that, you know. So, you know, what you're saying is true. We need to be thankful, you know. We should never yeah. wait until it gets super, super bad. That we're finally saying, God, I'm. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all of this. We need to be grateful while we already have it and not take it for granted. Amen. 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 Um, so what? I, hallelujah. So what I want to ask you today um, is a, a little bit about your book. Um, both books, I see you have two books. Um, one called "I Will Not Be Bullied Without Bullying Others," and then you have your other book that you wrote. Yeah. Um, and I want you to tell us a little bit about that book that you wrote. Um, you are being tested. Do not worry. And what 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 place in your life were you when you wrote this book? Was it after,
3: after you recovered, well, it it or it was doing my cancer it? treatment? And I was sharing how, uh, even though I was going through pain and sadness, but It was really important for me to get up every day and walk and exercise and read my Bible and listen to positive messages and really use, like, those things really mattered for my recovery and having a positive attitude because I was working full time and fighting cancer and trying to get my master's degree at night, so I was just... Really, really trying to have a positive attitude because there was there was times where I was tired after working all day and doing chemo and then having to go into a master's program at night. So I had to keep a positive attitude around my uh, my classmates and really not treat them badly because sometimes when we're struggling or when we're going through pain, sometimes we, we are mm-hmm. not very nice to people around us. Take so yes, yeah, so I told myself. You know this. You know I. I know that you're going through cancer, Marie. But you have to try to really stay positive and be kind to others, and love others, and also visualize yourself uh, coming out of this and uh, having a, a child and having a, a get. You know, God blessing you with a husband. I was girl. I was going through cancer, thinking about a husband and a child. <laughs> I wasn't even (laughs) thinking about death. I was thinking about my friends coming, my husband coming, my daughter coming. I was imagining my my blessing. I wasn't even imagining dying. That's so amazing.
1: That's so amazing. Yes, I remember when
3: I I was writing my book, I called one of my girlfriends, and I told her, you know, I know I'm fighting cancer right now, but I just want to share with you because I want you to remember this day so when it does happen that you will remind me. You today, so I read her my letter. I said, "Dear God, I just want to say I know I'm fighting cancer right now, but thank you for healing me, and I give you all the glory." This is when I'm going through cancer, so I'm reading my girlfriend this letter. Wow! I said, and I said, I know I'm gonna survive because of you, and, and I know you're going to bring me a guy that's 6'3 with a master's degree from UCLA, and he's going to be handsome, and he we're going to have a daughter together, we're going to get married, we're going to buy a home together. I wrote down all these things, and then I put, thank you, Lord, thank you. And I share some of these stories in my book, and I say, thank you, Lord. So I already claimed my blessing before even now. My girlfriend at my wedding, oh my. Yeah, pulled me aside and I said, Girl, when he called me and read me that letter to Dear God, you hang up the phone and I said, The chemo is messing with her brain. <laughs> oh my God. So this is this is just <laughs> some of the things that I talk about in my book is having faith, positive attitude, love others and visualize a better future for yourself, no matter what you're going through. And Just keep going because there's always a better day tomorrow. So that's basically the book is just about positive thinking. And I go out there and I do presentations, I do a lot of speeches uh, with businesses and corporations, churches, just sharing the positivity of just faith, positive attitude, love, and visualizing a better future. That's what my first book is about.
1: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love your spirit. I love your spirit, Marie. Um, you truly are an inspiration. I love that you were claiming your husband. Oh
3: yes, girl. <laughs> even I do, even put, even the, the I even put his
1: thing. height. <laughs> Six <laughs> three. You were claiming his height. My gosh, yes. you went into obsession for him your husband. Three. Right?
3: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is a blessing, and you and yes. God gave you your heart's desire. Yes. And I, I'm, I'm not even, ladies. If you're single out there, make your list to dear God. And believe it; he will <laughs> give it to you because that's
1: exactly yes, what I yes, did. Yes. <laughs> Praise God! Praise God! You're you're smart. That's the way to go. You got you got to make it clear. You got to make Amen. it clear. You know the good thing about it is that when you make it clear, when you have that established relationship with the Almighty God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, when you have that established relationship with Him, and you make your requests be known, Hallelujah. He, he and believe to it, and it and walk in it and like, claim yes, it. Exactly, exactly. Yes. like, this is my daughter or this is my child, and yes. I'm going to make a hat for them. But that's when you have that relationship with him. You know, yes. amen,
3: amen. And he knows and how to know work what? it out. And another sometimes thing, even better. Yeah, yes. another thing that I want to tell um, people is that when you have uh, – I always used to say, "Lord, you know my heart is in the right place. You know that if you if you bless me with that child or the one the wonderful husband, you know that I will be a blessing to others." So, not always just thinking of myself, but also trying to be a blessing to others. For example, I have girlfriends that are single now that I share my stories with them and give them hope and, you know, really um God doesn't bless us so we can keep all the blessing to ourselves even if it's experiences like what I went through or even money or job it doesn't matter what it is he blesses us so we can be a blessing to others and sharing my story is really acknowledging the fact that he has blessed me so now my job is to share how he has blessed me
1: that's true that's true yeah. i absolutely agree um it's it's a really good thing when you are visionary um when you're a visionary person you can see um, beyond your circumstances, um, and that's that's a great way to live life because I'm saying when you get into a dark hole, um, because I'm pretty sure you got to that place and you said you mentioned earlier on, early on in the show that you know you felt like God betrayed you,
2: yeah, you know, and I'm pretty sure you had a place me. where, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, you felt like yes. you were dying, like literally, is, is, isn't that true? Before you started yes. the positive
3: thing, yes. did you feel like yes. it,
1: that was yes. it? You're gonna die.
3: Yes, I just, I just, I, I was. My thing was it was like, "Why, what did I do? Did I treat somebody wrong? Did I mistreat somebody? And I even went as far as, "Oh God, maybe, maybe I dated somebody who was married, Lord I don't know, well, uh, what happened? you know, so I try to figure out like did I do something wrong because i'm a christian i'm I always been good to people, but what I realize yeah. is just because I'm a Christian and just because I believe in him, it doesn't mean I'm not gonna have these testing time." It's just means yeah. that before he can get me where I'm supposed to be, where he wants me to be, he has to groom me first. He has to get me ready for it. So I wouldn't be able to go and talk to 10,000 people at American Cancer Society making strides against breast cancer if I didn't go through what I went through. I wouldn't be wow. able to tell another woman, you'll be okay that you lost your hair if I didn't go through what I went through. So That's true. he had to get me ready for where I am today.
1: That's true. And, uh, you know, another quick question I want to ask you as well, would you have ever imagined
3: yourself in a million
1: years uh, that you would be where you are today? Would you ever imagine that you would be where you are today?
3: No, no. During I that process? Never, no. I was never growing up. I didn't start school until I was nine years old. Even though I believed in myself, I believed that I can come to the day and go to school. I had a really a hard time. Um, writing, grammar, because English is my third language. So I can't believe that I have two published books. I can't believe that I'm a spokesperson for American Cancer Society. I can't believe any of these things. And I know it's all because of God. You know, I know that he got me here because he wants to use me. And I just have to be obedient and just let him use me.
1: Wow, that's that's amazing, Marisa. So what, what are... Uh, what would you say your engagement uh, for the American Cancer Society? You're you're fully involved. You're, you're uh, uh, amongst 10,000 people. You're amongst a lot of people. Um, would you say that by you sharing your story, it's it's changing lives?
3: Amen. I just like I said last uh, month, I did a commercial where we share why people give to American Cancer Society. Why um, most people think American Cancer Society is trying to find a cure. Yes, we're trying to find a cure for cancer, but they don't know that if you have a friend or brother or sister or co-worker that's going through cancer, that they can go to American Cancer Society and go to a program called Reach to Recovery where um, if you have – You need a mentor, somebody who survived cancer like myself who can listen to you and give you hope and share their story with you for free. You can do road to recovery where you have a volunteer to come and pick you up from your home to take you to your treatment when you're too weak to drive. They don't know that there is an 800 number for free that they can call in the middle of the night when they're feeling lonely because when you're going through cancer, you go through a lot of emotions. You need someone to talk to in the middle of the night sometimes. All these programs are free, and people don't even know about it, free wigs, free makeup, all these things are free, not just to find a cure, but also to help people that are fighting cancer. So my job is basically my mission has been to raise money to find a cure, but also to let the community know. We have all these programs. we all been affected by cancer. We all know someone who's going through cancer or who's going to go through cancer. So knowing all these free services that American Cancer Society offers, even if you're not going through it, but offering it to somebody else who's going through it. So that's what I do for them for the last eight years. Not only did I do raise money, I do Relay for Life every year around June where we get the community together. We walk and celebrate the people that survived the horrible disease and also uh, remember the people that we have lost. And then in October, I get involved with making strides uh, against breast cancer where we have 10,000 or 20,000 people that show up in downtown LA to walk so it's it's been amazing. I have been able to uh, do all these things and and help and still be able to feel like I'm doing what God called me to do in this world that's
1: awesome that's really, really awesome and um so while you were attending classes, and I know you mentioned classes um, going to class and sometimes you know you felt like you wanted to just like let it all out on those around you, um, yeah. but you had to to hold it in but um, while you were attending your classes. Did your classmates know about this, or was it something that you kept on a low-key?
3: I kept it on a low-key because I didn't want them to treat me any differently. And I remember okay. when my uh, book first came out, one of them called me and said, wow, I can't believe you were fighting cancer, but you would walk in class. And she goes, oh, I know why now, because you you had different hairstyles all the time. And I said, well, girl, that's a wig. I was wearing different wigs. <laughs> I was having fun. <laughs> but... Now I laugh about it because it's like ah, and I'm just so grateful for my survivalship and being here, but at the same time it's like for her to tell me that my spirit was so up that I was still motivational, I was still happy, it made me feel like I told her, I said, it's not me, it was really God because I was in pain. I was asking him to give me the strength to be kind to everybody around me.
1: Yeah, that's understandable. You know, um, if anyone understands uh I would definitely say it's the Lord, you know. He understands. Amen. He knows what pain is like, you know. Um he went through pain for us a lot. Uh,
3: Amen. Excruciating Amen. Amen.
1: You know, so um we are blessed. We are blessed. Um uh so uh, let's talk a little bit about faith. Um how has your faith grown? Um, since I, I I know you mentioned, you know, you, you're you're more grateful, but really, really, like let's be real Because this is uh Kingdom Talk, okay, where we yeah. share real stories from real people who've had life, yeah. I life victories. Uh tell me a little bit, real talk. Um, how's your faith grown? Um and just be honest.
3: Well, this is the thing. Before I had cancer, I would go to church and I love the music. I love the fact that I can feel the spirit and the room. I love that. And when I had cancer now, it's different. Now I'm in there, and I'm crying because I'm like, oh, my God, Lord, thank you for just allowing me to be here today. Just, It's a different type of feeling. It's more like mm-hmm. gratitude feeling. It's, um, it's more like thankful. I'm so thankful that you have allowed me to, to have another opportunity to life. So I think even though I was spiritual before, I'm so spiritual now, but it's a different type of level because now it's, like, more of a gratitude level.
1: Yes, praise God. So would you say that your love has grown? Because uh, oftentimes um, I hear this sometimes, you know, I remember speaking to a young lady, you know, just telling her about the Lord and everything, and she's like, you know, Um, why would a good God allow such bad things to happen to people or bad things to happen to the world? And, you know, I I hear a lot of like blame God type of conversations, um, type of um, um, talks that come out of people with faith. You know, I I turned away from my faith or stopped serving God and because he allowed this to happen to me or I was angry with God. And, you know, like I hear these types of things and it it grieves my spirit sometimes. like, Oh my gosh, if only they would know. Um, but how would you say your love for God has grown during during that time?
3: Well, I I think I have grown where I did go through what you just said because I remember I was like, why me? So the only reason why I turned around is because I started reading the Bible and I started okay. reading uh, the fact that there was people in the Bible that was that also. Even though they loved God, but they also went through their testing times and their struggles too, so I started realizing that you know, and that's what I would tell everybody if you're going through whatever you're going through right now, the best thing for you to do is not just it's not enough to just go to church; it's really opening the Bible. I felt like at times i would I would be Amen. going through something and I would open the Bible, and the answer is right there in front of me. It was almost Amen. like he was talking to me through the Bible. It was amazing at times I would just start crying I'm like how did he know like what to say through this the Bible was talking to me at times it's it I know mm-hmm. it sounds strange but I I no, felt it like he was he was communicating he was talking to me through the Bible I would I would say oh my god Lord I'm too tired to go to work today and I would open the Bible and there's the answer right there where it would say mm-hmm. um, through God I would I, I can do all things, and I would start repeating these things, and just get up and go to work. It, it, it was. I could only say to anybody that's going through anything right now, grab the Bible because you I grabbed the like Bible. Parents, yes, grab the Bible because it wasn't enough for me to go to church. It was when I really started reading the Bible. It was. It was almost like He was giving me a map how I should live through the Bible.
1: You know that's so true, uh, Marie. Um, as you're mentioning that, that you know, um, it's not enough for just going to church. You know, um, it's when you dive into the word, um, it, it really makes an impact on your soul. It really does something for your spirit. You know what I mean? Because yeah. a, a lot there's uh, there's a lot of hurting people in the church. You know, sometimes they're just hurting, but it's when you actually go into that personal secret place with the Lord and just open up. You know, and just cry out to Him and just. Even just open the Word, open up the Bible, and you you feel life again because the Word, you no, know, He came, He came, the Word became flesh. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. that's that's the only way we can really um, overcome some of these different testings, especially in these times that we're living in. Um, church is good; it's a plus, but I'm telling you, the Word is effective when you get and yeah. read it. the scripture that leads. And um that's really, really important, so I thank you for sharing that yeah okay now hope let's talk a little bit about hope. Yes, what can you say about your your hope like um in terms of when you were going through that um, before you start speaking positive to yourself, where did your hope all take place? Was it towards the end of your recovery or during your recovery, or like how did you say your hope took place
3: well I truly believe you it was when my recovery because when I wrote that dear God letter I was still doing chemo mm-hmm. and I did 16 sets of chemo so that's that's very intense and um I remember writing that letter when the I just had a heart failure and I just imagine a 30 years old having a heart failure it's crazy
2: mm-hmm.
3: so I wrote that letter not thinking okay Lord I just had heart failure I was just thinking okay uh, I know he's going to get me out of this, and I know he's going to. So my hope was even when I was in the in the, in the the hospital, I knew that he was going to heal me. I knew that he was going to um, give me everything my heart desired. I didn't focus too much on where I was, and it's human nature for us to focus on where we are. But I think it's very important that it doesn't matter what you're going through, even if you lost your job today, is that, Start imagining your new blessing, you know, like where God is taking you. Instead of instead of thinking about, oh God, I just lost my job. I don't I don't know how I'm going to pay my bill, and I don't know what's going to happen. Mm. I mean, that's the nature because we always focus on the negative. But if you can just turn it around and go, thank you, God. I know you're going to bring me you're going to bring me my dream job now. You're going to bring me this. You're going to speak light, speak blessings, speak it, walk in it. Mm. You know, that's Amen. so important. It's so important. Amen. And I know it's hard, but you have to. And I, my hope in the hospital was, oh, Lord. It's funny because my girlfriends would tell you, God, girl, you were talking about your husband when you didn't have hair. We were thinking to ourselves, this girl doesn't even have hair and boobs, and she's talking about my husband. I said, yes.
2: Mm.
3: Just because I look this way doesn't mean I, uh, I know who I am. You know, I yes. know God yes. loves me. I know that he loves me no matter what. And yes. you just have to believe that. You have to believe that no matter where you are today, that tomorrow God God has something better for you. You just have to, that's mm-hmm. what's really hope. It's hope is easy when everything is good, you know.
1: But yes. really,
3: it's when when things are bad is when you're really being tested how hopeful you are.
1: God, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Amen. 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 I love it. I love it. And this is what leads us to love, um, you know, because uh, oftentimes, you know, women, they get to a place where, and and not even just, uh, um, you know, physically, you know, something physically bad happening to them, but just emotionally, too. They get to a place in their life where they feel like something is wrong with them. (laughs) (laughs) Something is wrong with them. And they're like, I can't, I, I could never imagine myself um having children or having a husband uh, you know look at me look at me and i'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure you were at that place in your yeah. life too even though you were claiming your husband and your your friends were probably thinking you were upside down like you were crazy you know yeah, yeah. you know but yeah. they were they were seeing it from the fleshly perspective you see what i'm saying but they weren't seeing it from a spiritual perspective because when god loves you you better yeah. believe that who he's preparing for you is going to love you, too. Amen? Yeah. And he's going to accept yeah. you for who you are. So tell me a little bit about your love life, your love story, and how it all became and, your, your you know, how'd you get your child and all that different stuff. Like, share it with, with us and share it with the audience as well because uh, I know a lot of people are wondering, oh, my gosh, is it possible? Is it possible for me to get my husband or for me to have kids or yeah. have a family? Yes. For me, love,
3: really when I say love, is First, loving me—that's where it starts. Amen. I truly Amen. feel that if I would have wrote that letter to God and and but still didn't love me, then we attract what we believe. We really do. So yes. if I I felt like okay, I need to love me without the hair. I need to love me without the nipples. I need to love me without the lashes and all these fancy stuff first, because I believe this is something very personal. I'm going to share because I feel like God is pushing me to share this, even though I don't want to share it. Because sometimes, of flesh, we just want to talk about the good stuff. I remember when I was going through cancer, I had a gentleman who was there for me before my husband, but he was very controlling. He would tell me things that you need to obey me, and you know the Bible does say obey, and so we should obey yeah. our husbands. And but he was my boyfriend at the time, but he wanted. He told me he said you need to obey me before I marry you, and then when I got well hmm. and I. What do you mean? He goes, I don't want you to work. I don't want you to go to school. I just want you to stay home and have kids and that's it. But I thought to myself, God, I love myself. If I just allow this guy, my spirit was like, well, Marie, you don't have boobs. You don't have hair. And this guy wants to marry you. All you have to do is just do whatever he tells you. Mm
2: -hmm. And
3: my other spirit was like, no, then you're going to lose yourself. You want to go to school. You want to be a businesswoman. You want to be a public speaker. You want to inspire people. But if you if you mm. stay with them, you won't be able to do that. That's that's not loving yourself. So I had these two voices. The flesh was like, just go for it because somebody wants you. But my spirit was like, no, no, don't go for that because you need to love yourself first. So Amen. The hardest thing for me was telling him, even though you took care of me when I had cancer, even though you're cheating on me, <laughs> it's not okay to cheat on people, even though I didn't have any hair, he was cheating on me. But I had to let oh it go. I had to love myself. I had to say, you know what, this guy is not good for me. You know, I need to love Amen. myself first. Even though he took care of me, but it's not okay that he's cheating on me. It's not okay that he thinks I should, tell, I should do everything he tells me to do. I, I went by faith. I said, you know what, Lord, help me. Help me let go. Did you know the moment I let go of him, that's when I met my husband? It all starts from loving first. Love yourself Mm -hmm. first. Because if you love yourself, then whoever you meet, they'll see how much you love yourself, and that's even more attractive.
1: Praise God. Because you're walking around with your
3: head up. Your your head is not down. You're walking around with light and just stars in your eyes. People see that. When you walk into a room, everybody notices you because you have this joy, this light, big smile on your face. So my love story is first love yourself. Love yourself enough to say, you know what, I'm not going to allow you to treat me however way you want to treat me, even though I, I, don't, I don't look like the model type right now, Okay? You know, I mean, I've got to tell you, I didn't have any hair. I didn't have my boobs. I didn't, I don't have any place to be turning down guys, trust me. I didn't have any place to be telling him, no, I don't want you anymore because I deserve better. Wow. He even told me that. He goes, you, you won't be able to do any better than me, he says. And I said, okay, you wow. know what? I said, God will bless me. Did you know six months ago he called me and said, I can't believe you're married and you have a kid. And I said, you know what, let's pray for you so you can find your wife. God. Yes. So whoever is listening right now, trust God. Don't settle. Love yourself first. And also it's very important that you love others around you, like your friends, your family, your coworkers, strangers, loving others. Because when you love yourself and you love others, uh, life is beautiful. Yes, it is. You get that love back. I would
1: agree with that. Yes.
3: You get that love back and double. So for me, it was loving myself, loving people around me. That means treating people the way I want to be treated. Amen. Then I finally find the love that I deserve, that God wanted for me.
1: Mm, Hallelujah,
3: hallelujah. Praise
1: God, praise God. And, um... So so you recently had your child. Um yes. how was that experience for you? I, I know oh. I know you mentioned that that's what led you to um want to help children. So how was that experience? I'm going to talk a little bit about your book, um I will not be bullied and I will
3: not, I will not, be bullied not bully by others. others. Yes. Um well, when I had my daughter, I thought to myself, I said, "What? Obviously, I wasn't supposed to have oh, I have to share this before I go anywhere." Um and I got pregnant. I said, thank God. I said, God, I know it's you. I know you blessed me with this child. Yeah. But I said, Lord, I said, what if my daughter got here on a Easter? Then I will really know it's you. <laughs> God has a sense of humor too, right? I said, Lord, I said, if my daughter gets here on Easter, did I did, that's really letting me know, stamp on it, this is me. Did you know I had my daughter on Easter at noon?
1: Oh, my God. My husband
3: said, serious? I told my husband, I said, I said, I know now if you're not a believer, you should really believe now. My daughter was born <laughs> at, at noon. She's 23 months. And I told myself, I said, what can I give my daughter that it does? it's not toys, it's not uh, clothes. I said, what can I give her that's going to help her in her career, in school, in her life? Every area in her life and her relationships, I said, "Wow, hmm, let's see, the gift of confidence." So I thought of, a, I said, if I if my daughter can just believe in herself, she can accomplish anything. And then mm. I thought of, I thought of, okay, what? This is great for my daughter, but how can I be blessing to every child, not just my child? So I started thinking about it. I said, "Hmm, a lot of kids get bullied." and I said, well, for some reason God just told me, name it, I will not be bullied and I will not bully others. So I published Amen. a book. Yes, I published a book and um 3 months ago, the second biggest school district in the US, LAUSD, took me in as a vendor. So now what I do is I go into schools, I do workshop with kids how to build their self-esteem. So they don't they don't bully others, and they don't get bullied. So in the my book God. I talk about I walk with my shoulders and my head up high, my shoulders back, eye contact. So all these skills the kids can learn at a very young age so it could help them in their career, in school, in every area of their lives. So if if you want to know more about the book, please go to the website, I Will Not Be Bullied, I Will Not Bully Others, one word, dot .com. And uh, it has been a blessing, um, and I'm very excited about it to do more of the books. So I'm doing different series, and I just published the first series last year.
1: Wow, congratulations. That's awesome. And, you know, I hope it, reach, it reaches thousands because, honestly, that is a common thing. That's something that I was talking to someone about um, on another show. Um, that's something um, that's taking place in the schools, And I, I'm telling you this right now, Marie, I hate it with a passion. Like, yes. when I say I hate it, I mean I hate it with a passion, and, and um, I honestly, I, I love when people are able to stand up and, and talk about this stuff because yes. too much times our children are being neglected and rejected, and these things are not being taken into, um, into consideration. They're not being, um, you know, um, taken seriously. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and children are doing the worst of the worst, and then they lose their life early at an age because of low self-esteem, because of allowing uh, someone to, that was insecure to come and push them around and, and hurt them. You know what yeah. I mean? And then they're too scared to go home and tell their parents or too yeah. scared to go and tell the principal. So I am glad that you're writing, that you wrote this book, and um, I'm glad you're going to continue with it and, um, and do series on the book as well because I feel like it's really important. And I'm glad the school district um, – got in touch with you, and you were able to share it with them as well. Um, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, so, um, I feel like that's the most, the most precious gift a parent can share with their kid because oftentimes we um, take humility as a way of, okay, I must stay silent and I must not do anything, and, I, and, and if I talk or if I stand up for myself, I'm not humble. It, it's it's yeah. nothing like that. Or we take confidence as pride. There's a way to yeah. be humble, you see what I'm saying, and be confident at the same time. And exactly. a, a lot of kids, and even just people in general, um, there's times when you have to speak up. Even Christians, you have to. Yeah. There's a time when you need to speak up. You know what I mean? And and yeah. and be confident, it's and be confident important. in your Lord. It is. Yeah.
3: It's very important. And uh, the thing about it is, the workshop is very hands on. The books are on Amazon and all bookstores, but when we go into the schools and churches, we have them role play these habits that can just build them up and also uh build com- so that way they don't bully other people you know not just protecting yourself but also being uh aware of other people's feelings and um really loving others and um I really feel that God put this in my heart to share um and um I just felt like it's not enough for me to just write an adult book but also really starting at a young age to so that way we can really help more people. So it's such a blessing.
1: It is a blessing. It really is. And, you know, um, I give God thanks for your book. And um, I just want to ask you real quick, um, with uh, the book, Will Not Be Bullied and I Will Not Bully Others, um, would you say that it's something that children or parents are trying to embed into their children at a young age?
3: Yes, yes. And the whole thing is it starts from – i was reading it to my daughter when she was six months and now she looks at the book and she knows she's like mommy loves me daddy loves me i will not be bullied and (laughs) because she repeats (laughs) it now because i read it so much to her so i and it i want her to really believe it by the time she's an adult and i truly feel that if she kept repeating it and repeating it in the back of the book that 's what we talk about kids repeating positive things in the morning and at night before they go to bed and I give my little affirmations in the back of the book to repeat every morning and every night and kids they're at this when they're babies until five, really we can really help them a lot just by the things that we tell them the, the, the things that we the way we live our life too. You know, when they see us happy and they see us, uh, kids repeat everything that you do. My daughter, she's 23 months, but I see her in the mirror smiling, and it's because she sees me in the mirror sometimes smiling. So it's very important um, to mold them when they're very young. And the books, it's starting from her age at six months to all the way up to college age. So I'm doing different series. Mhm
1: that's good that's good I'm glad you're gonna be doing college because and and even high school too uh, I'm glad you're yeah. gonna go up the level um because it doesn't really just stop there um I feel like a lot of um you know teenagers even young adults need to you know get more coaching and more um, encouragement when it comes on to going to school and because you know how the influences out there are in the world uh, people are always trying to fit in you know um, even and even when they get to like 21 years old you know oh my gosh I'm 21 it's time for me to go party it's time for me to do what they what the society says a 21 year old should do you know um, so I'm really glad that you're going to be going up a, you know other levels you know college up to college um, with your book so that's really really good
3: Yes. Amen. Well praise God. It's, uh, God is good. God is good. And um today before you called me for this uh inter- the radio interview, I I started praying. I said, Lord, please allow me to share and um use me to really uh touch what who you want to touch today. And um I just didn't wanna come out and just promote my books and uh but I really wanted to really give someone hope out there today, uh, no matter what they're going through, that there's always a better day. Um, so just, if if anything that I said today, just leave with um, the fact that God can turn your whole story around overnight.
1: And you know, it, it really comes to a place where we just let go and let God know. Um, We, you know, we all come to a place where we just have to realize that, you know, I'm not in control. I can't fix this problem. This is way out of my reach only. And, you know, God does this so that we can give him the glory, so that we are able to recognize that it's him doing the work. Amen. Not man, not our own hands, but it's him doing the work. Praise God. Um, So, Marie, tell us, what is next for you? What is next for you? Because I know you are a very ambitious woman. What is next for you?
3: Well, I get so excited when I get asked this question. Well, my, <laughs> my next thing is really uh, inspiring as many people as possible and sharing my story um, more of a public speaking level. That's really what I'm inspiring to do because I feel that the books, It's great when I'm done talking People can grab it and still go home and read more But this year I really want to touch more lives uh, As uh, Not just making strides against breast cancer But really going into churches And women conventions So if you're having Any kind of women's training Or women's empowerment I would love to come and share the fact that uh, I dreamed of Coming here to the state And going to school and uh, find, uh god blessing me with a child and a husband and uh writing books i just really want to give people hope that's really what's next for me awesome.
1: um, and you you're victorious you are victorious you've overcome you. you're, you're you're still you're still moving forward and that is such a blessing that is such thank a thank you
3: Thank you thank for God. allowing me to share today.
1: Yeah, I, I'm so grateful that you were on this show because, like I said, I, I can just feel it. I'm not, I'm not in front of you, but just I can hear it through your voice how passionate you are about um, going forth and making a difference in this broken world um, and giving people hope. You know, and thank and God is going to use you. God is going to have His way with you because of your experience. Amen.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Praise and. You yeah, there's uh, I always like to say life is beautiful and I truly believe that it's beautiful if you really live it and uh, appreciate it and be grateful for it.
1: Awesome, awesome. Do you have a uh Facebook page?
3: Yes, I do. I have a Facebook page um for my book. Uh you can go to uh The Test by Marie. Uh you can find me that way or you can email me if you want to know more about anything that I'm doing at the test by Marie at yahoo.com.
1: Oh, it's God. All right. God, so, so you were able to hear Marie. She is a living testimony. She's an ambitious. And and I, and I give God thanks for her. Um, if you would like to um, know more about her book or know more about the book so that you can embed some of these things, if you're a mother or your parents and you want to um, start helping your children to stand up for themselves because a lot of children out there they're being um, bullied, uh, they're being accused, um, they're being neglected, and some of them they're afraid to speak up. And this will be a great book for you to read I Will Not Be Bullied, I Will Not Bully Others. So visit H, um, https uh, colon forward slash I will not be bullied, I will not bully others.com. And you can find the link also on the website okay, you can find the link on the website. Uh, so we're going to be out, okay? Um, this thank interview, you. this uh, conversation, this discussion, everything was just impactful, and I absolutely enjoyed it with you. Uh, Marie, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on Kingdom Talk, where we share real stories from real people like yourself who've had real-life victories, and you really had a real-life victory, and I'm so grateful for you.
3: Thank you. Thank you. I'm grateful for you I for doing this show. And God is Thank good. You. God is love.
1: God is good. I pray for many more blessings for you, and God bless.
3: Have a good Thank one, you. everyone. Thank
1: you so much for tuning in.
3: Thank you. Mm, bye-bye. Thank
1: you. Bye-bye.